Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. President Trump says he is ready for Americans to get back to work by Easter Sunday, even though the World Health Organization now says the U.S. could soon be the global epicenter of the outbreak. Today, the governor of New York said cases in his state are growing so rapidly there won't be enough beds in hospital ICUs to handle all of the sick. New York now accounts for about half of the more than 53,000 confirmed cases across the U.S. About 700 people have now died nationwide. Another sign of how dramatically the world has changed, the Summer Olympics have been postponed until next year. On Wall Street today, the Dow had its biggest one-day gain since 1933 after Congress signaled it is very close to an agreement on the largest stimulus bill in history. We're talking about more than $2 trillion. So we're going to begin tonight with Meg Oliver, who is at the center of the crisis there in New York City. And Meg, I understand there's some breaking news for people who have been in New York in the last two weeks, right? That's exactly right, Nora. We just heard a stunning announcement from the White House task force. Anyone who recently left New York City or who has spent time here in the last few days should self-quarantine for the next 14 days, just proving how quickly this virus is spreading. We haven't flattened the curve, and the curve is actually increasing. Today, a stark warning with the peak of the pandemic just 14 to 21 days away. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo told the country to sit up and pay attention to New York. Where we are today, you will be in three weeks or four weeks. We are your future. With nearly one out of four New York coronavirus patients in intensive care, Cuomo outlined a desperate need, 40,000 more ICU beds and 30,000 ventilators. Where are they? Where are the ventilators? Vice President Pence responded a couple hours later. Earlier today, uh, FEMA from the national stockpile shipped 2,000 ventilators to the state of New York, and tomorrow there will be another 2,000. Though for the governor, it is not nearly enough. You pick the 26,000 people who are going to die. In Teaneck, New Jersey, the crisis is just as dire. It's incredible, and it hits so fast. Dr. Serge Seger with Holy Name Medical Center says his entire hospital has just 10 ventilators left, and they're running dangerously low on supplies. How desperate are you for more ventilators? You know, that is a big, huge concern. But there are signs of recovery. 32-year-old photographer Matt Schulte tested positive after a shoot in Aspen and had severe complications. He's now recovering in California. I'm obviously an example of uh, how it can affect a young, healthy person. 
but more importantly, it's uh, it's the effect that you can have on everybody else. We did get a clue as to how the virus spread so quickly here. White House Task Force Research Coordinator Deborah Burks believes subway riders who touch contaminated metal surfaces where the virus can live for days may have accelerated the spread. Nora? A reminder again about washing hands. Thank you, Meg. We turn now to Washington, where we just heard from the president and his coronavirus task force. President Trump wants to reopen the country by Easter Sunday. But many public health experts say that is too soon and could risk a health care catastrophe. Paula Reed reports tonight from the White House. President Trump says he would like to send people back to work in roughly three weeks. Our decision will be based on hard facts and data as to the opening. I'm also hopeful to have Americans working again by that Easter, that beautiful Easter day. Speaking with Fox News earlier today, the president repeated his unsubstantiated claim that keeping the economy shut is worse than the virus. You're going to lose people. You're going to have suicides by the thousands. The president's aggressive approach comes amid growing concern among Americans about the economy. A new CBS News poll out tonight shows just a quarter of Americans say the economy is in good shape, a 32-point drop from December. Mr. Trump's comments have received criticism from medical experts and members of both parties. What the president is suggesting is really a formula uh, for more uncertainty, more infections, and more harm to the economy. Ultimately, it will be up to the states to decide when to reopen businesses. In Texas, the lieutenant governor said grandparents would be willing to sacrifice for their grandchildren. And those of us who are 70 plus, we'll, we'll take care of ourselves, but don't sacrifice the country. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo strongly disagreed. No American is going to say, accelerate the economy at the cost of human life. Moments ago, while the president was advocating for that Easter deadline to reopen the country and see packed churches, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who was back at the briefing today, he said we need to be flexible, that they need to gather more data to know if that's actually a feasible timeline. Nora. Paula, thank you. Dr. Tom Inglesby is the director of Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security and joins us now. Doctor, thank you so much. Good to be here. The president said today he wants the country opened by Easter. That's 19 days from now. Is that a realistic goal? So I think it's too soon to say whether where we'll be uh, by Easter. But I think it's going to take at least until Easter to even begin to see the impact of the social distancing measures that have been put in place in the last week. And we've heard the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, say that New York mm -hmm. is going to reach its peak in, in two or three weeks. So we're, this is far from over. Yeah, I do think we're really at the beginning of this epidemic. In Italy, not very long ago, there seemed to be quite a calm and no evidence of cases. And now there are extraordinary numbers of sick people and dying people around the country of Italy. And we can see Washington State and New York are the, the beginning of what could happen in this country, around the country. I, I'm, I'm quite worried that if we release social distancing measures soon, we're going to have a rapid rise in cases. We're not even two weeks into this in terms of the social distancing. And already the discussion has become, well, when can we end it? Is that the right way to look at this crisis? 
Well, I do understand that even with a week of these measures, there has been incredible economic hardship around the country. And I think it's too soon to say which measure we could let off when. What do you make of the argument that another Great Depression could in itself be a public health crisis? I completely agree with that. Uh, And I think it's really important to think through all of the economic consequences. But at the same time, we have to do the same for what will happen in the absence of any attempts to slow this virus down. We heard the president say that we've never closed down the country like this for the flu. And the flu kills tens of thousands a year. Why is this Mm -hmm. different? In a normal flu season, we don't have people overflowing into hospitals. We don't have so many people that we don't have enough ventilators for them. So I think we need to make sure that everyone understands that this is a very unusual event. This does not look like seasonal flu. Dr. Tom Inglesby, thank you so much. Thank you, Norm. Tonight, we have new details about the timing of a vote in Congress on that $2 trillion economic rescue package. News that a deal is close and stocks soaring today. The Dow was up more than 11 percent, its biggest one-day gain since 1933. Nancy Cordes has been following it all from Capitol Hill. And Nancy, so when can Americans expect some help? Well, Nora, senators had been planning to vote tonight, but now it looks like the timing will slip to tomorrow. All the major sticking points have been resolved, but they're still hammering out a few final details in what will be the largest economic stimulus package in history. We are very close. The massive bill is designed to resuscitate a suddenly ailing economy. Why is it that big? Because the problem is that big. $500 billion in loans for big businesses, nearly $400 billion in grants and loans for small businesses. This is a great plan. The bill includes a one-time cash payment for most working Americans, up to $1,200 for individuals, $3,000 for the average family. The bill also expands unemployment insurance from 26 weeks to 39 in most states, boosting benefits by $600 a week. Katie Ellis and Kaysen Kelly are restaurant servers in Atlanta. Married with a baby, they were both laid off last week. If your main, your only source of income just immediately stops one day, changes your whole life. So. The new jobless benefits would apply not just to salaried workers, but freelancers and contractors, too. Roughly 3.4 million workers filed for unemployment last week alone, a new U.S. record. Some states, like Georgia and Ohio, are having trouble handling the load. Website's been down, and um, we've called and left messages and haven't heard anything back. Congressional sources tell CBS News that the bill now contains $130 billion for hospitals and $150 billion for state and local governments, which are under enormous strain right now, even as the sales taxes they rely on have dried up, Nora. So many people waiting for that help, Nancy. Thank you. And here's a look at the global picture tonight. The pandemic has exploded to more than 400,000 cases worldwide and more than 18,000 deaths. And today, India ordered the biggest lockdown in the world, telling it's more than one billion people to stay inside for three weeks. And Japan today took the drastic step of postponing the Summer Olympics until next year. Rami Innocencio reports tonight from Tokyo. 
Today's announcement hit just four days after the Olympic flame landed in Japan, dashing the dreams of athletes worldwide. American Kate Courtney already qualified for Tokyo, but now her Olympic mountain biking dreams have hit the skids. It will be a huge disappointment not to be able to compete in Tokyo as planned, but I also think there's no other option at this moment. It's not only the athletes feeling the pain. Economists estimate Japan alone stands to lose anywhere from six to $30 billion. One estimate has Japan missing out on $2 billion in tourism. This comes after domestic sponsors have already forked out more than $3 billion. The national stadium has gone through a $1.4 billion renovation, an investment now with an uncertain return. Um, Economist Jesper Kohl. As an economic forecaster, you have to be worried. Even before coronavirus, Japan was said to already be on the edge of recession. Now this. A prudent man will forecast that Japan is in recession. And Nora, if you're wondering what will happen to the Olympic flame, the International Olympic Committee says it'll stay here in Japan as a beacon of hope during these troubled times. All right, Ramey, thank you. We have an update now on a special CBS News project. With nearly 55 million kids home from school in the United States, our Steve Hartman is keeping many of them busy. He's been teaching a class called Kindness 101. You can find it all week on our Facebook page. Hundreds of thousands have tuned in to learn about character and empathy. And so for homework, Steve asked his students to say thank you to an everyday hero. And you see this little girl here. Well, guess what? She delivered a note and a huge smile to a sanitation worker. Steve will share more of those thank yous on the CBS Evening News this Friday. And until then, you can catch his class on the CBS Evening News Facebook page. That's at 2 p.m. Eastern. Tonight, two major hospital networks in New York City are blocking spouses and partners from maternity rooms to prevent the spread of coronavirus. Millions of expectant mothers have concerns about the virus, including CBS News correspondent Nikki Batiste, who is nearly nine months pregnant. And here is what she's learned. At 27 weeks pregnant, Raquel Iacurdo tested positive for COVID-19. I was in shock. I broke down and, you know, my husband was my, my rock and calmed me down. Data on the impact of coronavirus in pregnant women, fetuses and newborns is limited but hopeful. What we know at this point is that uh, pregnant women do not seem to get any sicker when, once they get COVID-19 than the general population. Dr. Laura Riley says the flu is still more dangerous for pregnant women. Doctors say coronavirus does not appear to pass from mother to baby through the placenta or breast milk, but that it's too early to tell if there are concerns for women in early pregnancy, like miscarriage or birth defects. I'm about 34 weeks pregnant myself. What are the concerns for a newborn? I think the, the biggest concern is um, whether or not a newborn will get the infection after mom delivers. ACOG says pregnant patients should follow the same recommendations as the general population, which includes wearing a mask if she has the virus or symptoms. But some doctors suggest wearing a mask in public. I know everyone's case is different, but I'm living proof that you, you will get through it and you will be okay. Nikki Batiste, CBS News, New York. Garth Brooks and his wife, Trisha Yearwood, last night, a free online concert for those stuck at home. She's so New York and in L.A. And every town along the way. 
More than 5 million viewed it. It's a big month for Brooks. We spoke with him earlier this month before social distancing. He's being awarded the Gershwin Prize by the Library of Congress, which credits him with elevating country music into a national anthem of the American people, which is where our conversation began. What is it about country music? I don't know. It's, it's almost like breathing in and breathing out, isn't it? You don't have to work to listen to it, and you don't even have to be listening to hear it. I think it's the voice of the common man's soul. But I that soul-moving sound of country music is what has packed arenas with tens of thousands of fans up until this crisis. Fans who know all the words to his songs. And they're singing every word of a song like that. Yeah, I'm a guy, so I'm the last guy that's going to say size matters. But it does. <laughs> Brooks says that despite all of that success, the lesson in life is that adversity is what makes us stronger and helps us bounce back. You've got a bow and arrow, right? The only way that arrow is going to go far at all is it's got to address resistance, right? So for every dreamer out there, when you hear, no, it cannot be done, just let it keep coming. Because once they let go of that arrow, all those no's are what's going to fuel you to turn those dreams into reality. The increased resistance. Yes, ma'am. Much of his music evokes emotion, even tears, especially with one of his signature songs. If tomorrow never comes. What's the end of that sentence for you, if tomorrow never comes? I really feel blessed, lucky, all that stuff. If tomorrow never comes, I'm the luckiest guy on the planet. I've been listening to Garth Brooks for 30 years. We needed that. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Devaya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 